All right, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I'll be doing this morning's service, obviously, and uh, the 11 o'clock service as well. But I'm going to do two different sermons. And uh, sorry you can't be here with us. But you can go online and watch it, you know, when you get home or whatever. Watch it on the phone on the way to home. Watch it while you're having lunch. Hallelujah. You can hear it if you really want to. Amen. Praise God. This morning uh, in this first service, I want to talk to you about where's your focus when times are bad? Where is your focus when times are bad? Philippians chapter 4 Beginning in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. How often are we to rejoice? I said, how often are we to rejoice? Well, you just missed an opportunity to rejoice. (laughs) Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are Just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So I believe what the Apostle Paul is saying, bottom line, is stay focused. Stay focused on the Word of God. Stay focused on what God's Word says, no matter What the situation is, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the crisis might be, no matter what the media is saying, stay focused on the Word of God. As you know as well as I do, what they report this morning in the media could change by the evening report. And it may not even sound the same tomorrow morning. So it fluctuates, it changes by the minute, but the word of our God will stand forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. That's where my focus is. Now I'm not pretending that problems don't exist. I'm not pretending that coronavirus is not real. It's, it is real. It's taking the lives of a lot of people. But that's not where my focus is. Just because they say that coronavirus is in our city, that's not where my focus is. Just because they say that uh, it's taking lives daily, that's not where my focus is. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm very sad that it has taken lives. I, I, I personally don't know anybody who's lost a family member from it. 
if I did some checking with people that I know, there might be somebody that has a family member that has been lost by coronavirus. But I personally don't know anybody at this time. But I see on the news, I see on the reports on television that lives are being lost daily. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. It's not that I'm heartless. I'm not saying that at all. I am a compassionate person. However, I am not focused on that. Amen? Let me read you a scripture. Go with me to Proverbs chapter uh, 22. I think it's one of the, in some ways, one of the funniest scriptures I've ever read. And in other ways, it's, it's very pathetic that a person would think like this. In Proverbs 22, look at verse 23. The slothful man or the lazy man says, there is a lion within. I shall be slain in the streets. That's like saying coronavirus is here. I shall be killed by it. Coronavirus is here. I shall be slain. Not necessarily. That's like saying, there is an 18-wheeler coming. I shall be run over. No, you could stay out of its way. Amen. If there's a line in the street, just stay out of the streets. Amen. If there's a crisis, just stay away from the crisis. It doesn't have to affect you just because it's here. Amen. If you listen to the media day in and day out, then you're going to lose your focus. Whatever happened to, by his stripes, we are healed. <clears throat> Whatever happened to, we are redeemed from the curse. Amen. Does, is that the first thing that comes up in your mind? When you hear evil reports, amen, first thing comes up in my mind is I'm redeemed from that. I'm redeemed from that. That doesn't have to affect me. Now, I'm not saying that I'm somebody special. Well, I am. <laughs> you are somebody special. Amen. We're all somebody special to God. But I'm not saying that it won't affect me because, you know, I'm a preacher or uh, I've been in this too long now for anything to affect me. I live in a protected bubble. No, that's not true. I choose to stay focused on the Word of God. Amen. I choose to stay focused regardless of what's happening around me. Like Brother Copeland said, uh, several years ago, uh, you folks have had several crises that Gloria and I didn't even know about. Because we don't focus on that. Amen? So once again, notice he says, and I'm reading from the Amplified this time, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. 
Anxiety, let me give you a couple of definitions for the word anxiety. A permanent state of worry. A permanent state of worry, often accompanied by compulsive panic disorders or panic attacks. Let me say it again. A permanent state of worry often accompanied by compulsive panic attacks. I know people that live that way. You know, some people are afraid to fly. Oh, that thing's liable to crash. I remember flying from uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas one time back to DFW. I actually, back in those days, loved Field. DFW was not open yet. And it was a a small commuter aircraft. And it only held about, you know, 30, 40 people, something like that. And I got on and I'm sitting in an aisle. And this elderly lady got on and she happened to have the seat next to me by the window. And she grabbed this armrest and held on from the moment she sat down. I could see her hands turning white, you know. And uh, she looked over me and she says, I'm afraid of this thing. I'm so scared. We're probably going to crash. I said, no, ma'am, we're not going to crash. She said, how do you know? I said, well, I serve the Most High God. I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm on assignment, and this thing is not going to crash while I'm on it. She said, how can you be so sure? I said, well, I have been commissioned by God to take the gospel to the world, and I haven't finished my course, and so this thing is not going to crash. Just relax. So she grabbed my hand <laughs> and squeezed on it real hard, you know. And, and, and she said, are you sure we're not going to crash? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. We're not going to crash. She said, okay, I'll just hold on to you. And so we flew all the way with her holding me just as tight as she could hold, you know. And then when we landed safely, she reached up and kissed me on the cheek. And she said, I hope if I ever get on one of these again, I get to fly with you. <laughs> well, you know, some people are afraid of flying. And they, and, and they wouldn't dare get on an airplane because that thing might crash. But there's a whole lot more automobile accidents than there are airplane crashes. So I said, really? I will never get in another automobile. <laughs> well, there's more people die in their sleep than in automobile accidents. I'm never going to sleep again. <laughs> I mean, where does it end with you? you know? <laughs> where does it end? A permanent state of worry. Now, in the South, we call those people worry warts. Anybody ever heard that before? You're just a worry wart. My mama used to tell me when I was a little boy, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd think something's going to happen. She'd say, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody ever heard that? You're making a mountain out of a molehill. And that's the way a lot of Christians live. They make mountains out of molehills. Amen. A a permanent state of worry. And then another dictionary 
gave the definition of anxiety as a disturbing uneasiness regarding a future event. And it usually springs from fear. A disturbing uneasiness regarding a future event. And it usually springs from fear. Now let's go to the book of Numbers for a moment. Numbers chapter 13. Where is your focus when times are bad? God had told the children of Israel, as you well know, that he had prepared a land for them. A land that flows with milk and honey. There was abundance there. No lack there. You know the story. And um, so Moses sends out some spies. And Joshua and Caleb come back. And they said, it is exactly the way God described it to us. It's a land of milk and honey. It's a land that, that flows and has abundance. And we're well able to take that land. But the ten other spies had a different report. They didn't say the same thing. And notice here in, in verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now, how did they know what those men thought they looked like? They never even got close enough to ask them. They just assumed that. They said, we're but grasshoppers in our sight. Well, it's one thing to feel that way in your own mind, in your own opinion, but to say, and that's the way we look to them too. And you haven't even asked. That's assumption. Amen. And assumption can get you in trouble. Amen. So notice they said, uh, we can't take this land. We're not able to take this land. But Joshua and Caleb had a different report. In fact, uh, another place in the Bible that says they had a different spirit. You need to be one of those with a different spirit. That you don't follow the crowd. That you don't say what everybody else is saying. Amen. You stay focused on what God says. If God says you're able to take this land, then that's what you say. Regardless of what's going on in that land, And what you can see with the natural eye, if God says you can take it, then you can take it. And you've got to stay focused on that. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's look at another example here in John chapter 11. 
John chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now I want to go into that statement very deeply, but don't assume he's saying, Lazarus is sick, so God will get glory. That's not what he's saying at all. I don't have time to expound upon it, but that's not what he's saying at all. He is saying this, God's glory is going to be exposed. How does God's glory manifest? When people get well. Go in other, other uh, stories and, and it says uh, when the man was healed, they all glorified God. So we don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. When he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Now listen to what the disciples said. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. Goest thou thither again? And drop down to verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleepeth, he shall do well. Now notice where their focus was. If they, if, if Lazarus is just asleep, then he's okay. We don't need to go back there. What have they got on their brain? Rocks. (laughs) Rocks. <laughs> Stones. It appears they really don't care whether Lazarus is dead or alive. All they're concerned about is the last time we were there, we almost got stoned. And if Lazarus is just asleep, then we don't have to go and we won't be stoned. Amen? That's what they're thinking. <laughs> That's like that proverb. They have stones. We shall be slain. No, you could duck. You know, I mean, there are other things you could do. Just because they got stones doesn't mean you will be slain. It was quite possible, but not necessarily so. Not inevitable. Amen. So notice here, the disciples are focused on something that Jesus was not focused on. All they're focused on is the problem. Remember it says, uh, one of the definitions for anxiety, a disturbing uneasiness regarding a future event. And it usually springs from fear. So they're just assuming 
that if we go back there, we will be stoned. But if Lazarus is just asleep, then there's no need in risking it. Let's just stay where we are. And then finally, Jesus spoke to them very plainly in verse 14. Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now listen at Thomas. How did he ever get to be a disciple? (laughs) How would you like to go for the rest of your life and throughout eternity being known as Doubting Thomas? And you work for a faith ministry. (laughs) Listen to Thomas. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. Well, that's funny in itself. There comes old Didymus. But that's better than here comes old Doubter. Then said Thomas unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may all die. You know, you don't need a devil when you got disciples like this. (laughs) Amen. Doubting Thomas. Philip, he, man, I don't know what Jesus was thinking when he chose some of these guys. Peter was a hothead, a loud mouth. Couldn't back half what he said. Amen. I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'll even die with you. Boy, that lasted just a short time. Amen. Didn't last long at all. And Philip, Jesus taught in John 12 all the way through John 15 a lot on his relationship with his father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And when he got through this wonderful discourse, Philip said, show us the Father. (laughs) Went right over his head. He must have had Denny's on his brain while Jesus was preaching, you know. And Jesus said, Philip, how long am I going to have to be with you? And some of Philip's descendants are alive today. <laughs> when will they ever get it? Amen. <laughs> when will they ever get it? Now, the Passion Translation says, uh, for Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, don't be pulled in different directions. Don't be pulled in different directions. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Now that will cause you to stay focused. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. And then verse 9 from the Passion Translation says, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on 
every glorious work of God, praising him always. Hallelujah. That's how you stay focused. Amen. Notice what this great man of faith is telling us. Don't worry, don't fret, and don't allow anxiety to come into your life. The message translation says, instead of worry, pray. Filling your minds with the best and not the worst. Amen. Filling your minds with the best and not the worst. According to data recently released by Amazon on the most highlighted passages from the Bible in the Kindle ebooks regarding overcoming anxiety are the verses which we just read from Philippians chapter 4. People highlight that. They, they make uh, a notation of those verses more than any other verses Amazon reported. What Paul is endeavoring to do is to keep us focused. Keep us headed in the right direction. Most Bible scholars agree that Paul wrote this letter from prison. He was facing death. One scholar stated this, the fact that Paul was able to reject anxiety under these dire circumstances makes these passages even more encouraging. Amen. I've said many times, you and I will never go through what the apostle Paul went through. And yet he would not allow anything that he went through to rob him of his focus. Amen. He said, I press. I press toward the mark. In other words, he was single-minded. I've said many times, and I love it, and I still say it to this day. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, it says, but none of these things move me. That was Paul's attitude about adversity. That was Paul's attitude about anything and everything that Satan brought up against him. He said, none of these things move me. Why? Because he's focused. He, he was locked in. You know, I had the privilege many years ago of uh, uh, picking up Evander Holyfield in uh, Atlanta in my airplane, and, and he went to a meeting with me. And it was shortly after the fight with Mike Tyson where Tyson bit his ear off, part of his ear. <laughs> and uh, I, had, I had been a fan of Evander Holyfield's ever since he was an uh, amateur. I went to see him in the amateur tryouts for the Olympics. Carol and I had the privilege of going to the Olympics in Los Angeles and watching him uh, in in the boxing tournament. And uh, I believed from that moment, I told her and told the people that were with us, one of these days that man will be heavyweight champion of the world. Now at the time, he was very small to ever go up into the heavy heavyweight ranks. But I knew that's where he was headed because I'd heard him say it before. And, uh, and of course, he started out in the lower ranks and won championships there. Then he moved up to heavyweight. And he was a small, he was small for a heavyweight. But my goodness, was he built. Oh, he, he looked like he's 
chiseled out of stone. It started right here and just went like this. I've got a picture at home of me and him standing outside my airplane. And I've got my hand around his shoulder. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely not fair. (laughs) The muscles. it, It felt like brick. And his waist was like this, and it just went all the way up like this. And he wasn't extremely tall, you know, but boy, was he built. And uh, I remember telling him when we were on that flight together, and we were going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I, I deliberately, I had my pilot to take all the seats out of the left side of the airplane. And I put Evander on the left side. I wanted to have plenty of leg room, you know. And I sat on the right side opposite him so I could look at that ear. <laughs> they bit his right ear, right here, the earlobe off. Boy, Tyson bit a chunk out of it. I mean, you could tell it. You could see it, you know. And, and, I, and previous to that, when I would preach at Creflo's church, if Evander wasn't in training, he'd always come and... Uh, Creflo uh, had two morning services and Evander would come into the speaker's room and visit with me before I got into the second service. And so we'd, we'd talk boxing, you know, and so forth. And he knew I was a boxing enthusiast. And I said, Evander Holyfield, you are one of the most focused boxers I have ever seen in my life. I've been around a lot of boxers. I've gone to training camp with some of them. I said, you're the most focused boxer I've ever seen in my life. When you come out of that dressing room, when they show you on television, and you come out of that dressing room, you can tell it. I mean, he is locked in. He is so focused. And every once in a while, even the camera will show it on television. You can see his lips moving. He's praying in tongues. (laughs) And you'll see his lips moving. Or he's confessing the word. And he'd, he'd have on his robe, you know, I can do all things through Christ, the scripture. And uh, he'd, from the locker room to the ring, I mean, you could just see uh, all that noise, all that screaming, you know, fans that love you and fans that hate you. He, he was so locked in that I don't know if he even heard it or not because he's so focused you know, remember that movie that Kevin Coster made or played in where he was a baseball player and he was a pitcher? And when he'd get on the mound and got his warm-up done, then he'd say, mechanism on. And you could hear all the crowd screaming, you know. And he'd say, mechanism on. And he'd, he'd drowned out the uh, noise. Now he's concentrated on picture that ball to that batter. And, and it, the, the movie would go silent for a moment to show that that's what he was doing. Mechanism on. Some of you need to do that. <laughs> Just when everything around you is screaming, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, you're not going to make it, you're going to die, this, that, and the other. Mechanism on. That's good. That's good. Amen. And just drowned it out. Amen. 
Well, I said to Evander that he was one of the most focused boxers I'd ever seen. And I got to go to some of his matches, heavyweight championship matches. And, and he was just, he, he just so focused. And I said, was there ever a time, and he fought a lot of guys that were so much bigger than him. My goodness. Was there ever a time you felt like quitting? He said, yeah. He said, there was one time that I didn't think I could, I could come out for the next bell, for the bell, for the next round. I was walking to my corner. I was thinking, I don't know if I can make it to the next round. And I looked over the ring apron, and there was my son. And I saw him. And I thought, if I quit, he'll have to live with this for the rest of his life. Your daddy quit. Your daddy wasn't a great champion. He quit. He said, and I sat down on that stool, and I made up my mind thinking that... uh, uh, I was not going to quit. And he said, boys, one of the toughest fights I'd ever been in, but I won. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Wow. You know, sometimes we wind up in some of the toughest fights we've ever been in, spiritually, you know. But if you're focused and you're determined, then quitting's not an option anymore. Amen. Quitting's not an option anymore. So notice here, once again, he tells us, don't be pulled in different directions. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Now, John chapter 14, let's go there for a moment. John chapter 14, and look at verse Twenty-seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I have given unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now this is Jesus talking. Let's read it again. Peace I leave with you. How many of you have ever tapped into that peace? Boy, it's wonderful in a storm. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Passion Translation says, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Notice, fear fear has to be yielded to for it to have any effect. Amen? There are a lot of things that that can create fear, but it has no effect until you yield to it. Amen? I remember years ago I was in uh, Kenya, and I had, uh, they had arranged for me to have a meeting with the president of the nation, Daniel Moy at that time. And I had planned to build a medical facility in an area where there were two million people who had no medical facilities whatsoever. And so I was going to build this medical facility, 
and I was going to ask the president uh, to donate the land to build it on. And then after we built it, then we were going to donate it back to the nation. And uh, so I had met with the president at what they call the state house, which would be equivalent to our White House. And I made my presentation, and he agreed to, to give us the land to build this facility on. And then um, uh, we, we came back and got all our plans together and so forth, and we made a second trip to do the groundbreaking. The night, uh, the, the, the morning that we landed in Nairobi, and I went to my hotel, and then the next day, we're going to fly out to this area where we had uh, designated we were going to build this facility. I got a report that someone told the president that I was going to spend X amount of dollars. It was in the millions of dollars on this facility. We, we were just going to start phase one, an outpatient clinic. And then, you know, believe God for the money and pay cash as we went and, and continue and so forth. But phase one was an outpatient clinic, and it was going to cost X amount of dollars. But somebody had told the president that I had already generated millions of dollars to put into this, which I hadn't. I had enough to start the project, and uh, God was blessing. Our partners were helping us. And in fact, it was one of the easiest things I'd ever done, you know, to get started with this. It seemed like our, our partner base, they just responded to it. And preachers all over the country wanted to be involved in it. And their churches got involved and, and financially and so forth. But we didn't raise millions of dollars, nowhere close to millions of dollars. But we had plenty to get started with it and to finish phase one. And they said the president wanted to meet with me and he wanted to thank me for all these millions of dollars that I had generated for this project. And when I got that report, it kept me up all night. I mean, I couldn't shake it. Because now I'm meeting with the president tomorrow and tell him it's not so. I, I haven't raised millions of dollars. And I'm thinking, lion's den, <laughs> torture. You don't, you don't go in and tell the president, somebody lied to you, man. I have not raised millions of dollars. I didn't have a clue what they were going to do. It kept me up all night. I'd get up and walk the floors confessing the word. And as soon as I got through, I'd try to lay down and go to sleep. And, and it's like the devil, the devil was on the pillow. You know? <laughs> I'd lay my head down and he'd start in again. I'd have to get up and pray in tongues. And I'd finally, you know, get it settled and I'd, I'd lay down again. And that devil would start in on me again. I was up all night long. I didn't get any sleep at all that night. And uh, when I got over to meet with the president, had absolutely no clue what how he was going to respond. He said, oh, no problem. Just do what you're capable of doing, and we'll take it from there. I thought, and I stayed up all night. 
Now, don't look at me so holy. You've done the same thing. I mean, you assume things. Isn't it amazing how easy it is to mentally picture an end result? And you just know that, you know, it's going to happen that way. But you don't have anything to base that on other than lies from the devil. Amen. And that's the problem that so many Christians have today. They allow themselves to get distracted. And they start focusing on things that are not even true. That's the reason he said, think on things that are true. Stay focused. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Jesus intended for those words to bring comfort to us. And to help us to stay focused. I wrote in my notes here, it could be said that anxiety stems from a lack of faith. Don't shout me down now. Anxiety stems from a lack of faith. And the only remedy for that is more of God's Word. Amen? If you have trouble with anxiety and and you're fretting, and you're becoming fearful, the only remedy is more of God's Word. Not more of television. More of God's Word. Unless you're watching faith-filled programs. Amen? Now, go to Matthew chapter 14 very quickly. Matthew chapter 14. And for the sake of time, I won't read all of this. You know the story. Jesus has told the disciples to uh, get in the ship and, and go to the other side. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, well, verse 24, first of all. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walk on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now that is amazing. Now I know Peter was a fisherman, but he had absolutely no experience whatsoever walking on water. Not one time in his entire life as a fisherman by trade did he ever walk out on the water. But notice how when he realized it was Jesus, he said, Lord, bid me to come. Jesus said one word, come. It's amazing how much power one word from God has in it. One word from God. Amen. And apparently when you are in a crisis, experiencing a storm of life, All you need is one word from God to overcome it. Amen. And he got out 
on the water and began to walk to Jesus. Now, a lot of people read this and they think he got out on the water and immediately began to sink. No, he started walking to Jesus. He was successful for a moment, for a time. In fact, I think what Jesus had in mind, if Peter walked all the way to him, the other disciples would have said, wow, we can do that. And they all would have got out and walked to Jesus. And Jesus would have said, we don't have any need for the boat anymore. Boys, sell the boat. Take the money and feed the poor. We can walk on the water. Amen. But notice, when he saw the wind boisterous, he began to sink. Now, the word boisterous means roaring, violent, turbulent, and furious. Now, no wonder it says he was afraid. He was afraid. I mean, he had, he, in the natural, he had every reason to be afraid. You ever been in a tornado, a hurricane? You know, you talk about fierce, boisterous wind, and he became afraid. And that's when, not before, is when fear came. He began to sink. Why? Because he lost focus. He lost focus. Now, I'm not going to get on Peter too hard. Because most of us would have probably done the same thing. Amen. But what I am saying is, if you think you would have done the same thing, then you need to work on that. (laughs) We need to work on that. To where we are not afraid. We don't allow fear to set in. Amen. Learn to live a focused life. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark. The message translation says, I've got my eyes on the goal. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. I've got my eyes on the goal. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. And then he goes on to say in the message translation, verse 15. So let's keep focused, those of us who want everything God has for us. I want everything God has for me. How about you? Then the only way we can attain that is to stay focused. Stay focused. And I realize that during this time that we've been going through over the last several months, staying focused has not necessarily been the easiest thing, but it can be done. Amen? You have to work at it, but it can be done. And if you want everything God has for you, because I believe when this thing's all said and done, man, there's some major victories coming our way. Some major breakthroughs. Amen. Major breakthroughs. But for you to be a recipient of them, you got to stay focused. You don't want to miss out on it. Amen. Now, if God was just going to make it happen to everybody, then... We wouldn't have to stay in faith. We wouldn't have to be concerned about remaining focused. If God was just going to do it for everybody, but that's not the case. It's impossible to please God without faith. So I want to encourage you this morning. Where is your focus? 
when times are bad. Let me give you this verse and a couple of verses and, and uh, we'll close it for today. Mark chapter 4, verse 15, Jesus said, Satan cometh immediately, once the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word. The Amplified says, he does it through the cares and the anxieties of the world and the distractions of the ages. The message says, stress strangles what they heard. Stress strangles what they heard. And as a result, they let go of the word. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us great and precious promises that we might escape. Amen. The promises of God are given to us that we might escape the corruption that is in the world. The message translation says, Your ticket, uh, these great and precious promises, are your ticket to participate in the life of God. <laughs> Amen. The life of God. Isaiah 54, 7 says, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The Amplified Bible says, Triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. You've got to stay focused on that. Amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Triumph over opposition is my heritage. First John chapter 5, verse 4, the theme of this ministry for 51 years. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. In faith, we can expect victory. Psalm 41.11, the Amplified Bible says, and this, this is what I'm, these scriptures I'm telling you, stay focused on them. By this I know that you favor and delight in me because my enemy does not triumph over me. That's how I know I have the favor of God on my life because the enemy does not triumph. I didn't say the enemy does not attack. No, he does attack. I didn't say there won't be any weapons formed against you. God didn't say that either. There will be weapons formed against you, but they shall not prosper. Amen. So I know the favor of God is on me because my enemy doth not triumph over me. Another translation says, there are no victory shouts in the enemy's camp. Amen. And in Philippians 1.6, this is what we need to stay focused on. Being confident of this very thing. That he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Amplified says he'll bring it to full completion. And the message translation says he'll bring it to a flourishing finish. That's where we're headed, praise God. A flourishing finish. Amen. It may not look like it now. There's giants in the land. <laughs> But don't look at yourself as a grasshopper. Look at yourself as one who is about to have a flourishing finish. Hallelujah. One in whom the favor of God is richly deposited in and rests upon heavily. And therefore, Satan does not have any shouts in his camp. He does not triumph over you. Can you say amen?
Stay focused on what the Word of God says. And then Psalm 26, 3, the Amplified Version. Let none who trust and walk hopefully and look for you be put to shame or disappointed. Let none who trust in you and wait, I said walk, wait hopefully and look for you be put to shame or disappointed. That was the prayer of the psalmist. That's my prayer for you, praise God, is that you who trust in God and you wait hopefully on him, you will not be put to shame and you will not be disappointed. Amen. And then Psalm 31 verse 15, the Amplified Bible says, my times are in your hands. Hallelujah. Put your hands in the hand of the man who stilled the water. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So let's stay focused. Let's stay focused on what God says. I'm not saying pretend there are no problems. I'm not saying act as though nothing's really happening. It's all fake news. No, it's not all fake news. Amen. Most of what to say about President Trump is, but not the coronavirus. It's not necessarily fake news. It's actually happening. Amen. But I don't have to be focused on that. It doesn't have to affect me and my family. Neither does it have to affect you or your family. Amen. We just sing this morning. Do we believe what we sing? The favor of God. Hallelujah. The blessing of God. It's on us for a lifetime. Hallelujah. Come on, let's all stand and give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Reach over and touch somebody. <laughs> Brother Jerry, are we supposed to do that? Well, if our focus is where it should be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person in our congregation, even though some are not here, some will be in the next service, and even then, some will not be there. But we pray for our congregation, whether they're here, whether they're home, wherever they might be, that they will remain focused on what you have declared in your word. And we agree with your word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Triumph over opposition is our heritage. And in the name of Jesus, that and only that is what we will accept. I pray in Jesus' name for their financial welfare. I pray for their families. I pray that if they've lost their jobs... God, you are going to provide for them an even better job with better benefits, praise God. Because your word declares they will not be put to shame and they will not be disappointed. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. And give the Lord a great shout. Hallelujah. Amen.